And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back for another episode of the Startup Hustle. This is your host today, Matt Watson. Very excited to be joined today by Ryan Glasgow. He's the founder and CEO of Sprig. They've raised a whole lot of money and doing some really cool stuff in Silicon Valley we're going to talk about today. Um, their company is focused on product and helping companies understand how people use their product, product launches, all that kind of stuff, which is really useful information for other entrepreneurs, always trying to figure out how to launch our product and be successful with it. So I think we're going to learn a lot from Ryan today. I do want to remind everybody that today's episode of Startup Hustle is sponsored by Gusto. If you're a startup, this is for you. I want to tell you about Gusto for a minute. Gusto built an easier and more affordable way to manage payroll, benefits, and more. They help over 300,000 businesses take the pain out of tasks like automated payroll, tax filing, direct deposit, health insurance, 401k, onboarding tools, you name it. Gusto makes it easy. I'm sure Ryan will agree that none of that stuff is fun to do. They really care about small businesses. You can get three months free by going to gusto.com slash startup hustle. Again, that's gusto.com slash startup hustle. There's also a link in the show notes. Ryan, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for having me, Matt. Excited to be here. How is how is San Francisco? It's going well. Yeah. It's we've got our office based here and I'm in the office today. And it's just great to you know, see folks in person and see how everyone's doing and no longer live in San Francisco. I'm just on the outskirts, but uh, things are going well. Is your company in like downtown San Francisco? Yeah, we're right on the next to the Embarcadero station. So near the ferry building, Transamerica building in that area. So it seemed like we heard for a while that um, it was kind of like no man's land there for a while. And like there wasn't near as much going on as a lot of companies have all come back, like returned to office? Like how is, how is the vibe there now? I wouldn't say it's fully back, but it's definitely trending towards being fully okay. back. And we'll see if we get there though. I mean, some people I think were excited, like they could go to the gym and nobody was there and they could go to the restaurant and there was nobody there. It was, it was an interesting time, I think down there for a while. Definitely the gyms, the grocery stores, some of the restaurants are a little quieter but it is good to see some of the office spaces start to really pick back up and commutes getting busier uh, in a good way. Well, tell us a little more about Sprig and what you guys do exactly. I know it's related to helping people do product launches and get product feedback and insights. Tell us more about what you guys do. That's absolutely right. We help companies understand what their customers think of their products. And we ourselves have four different products to do that. The first one, which is really our core product, is in-product surveys. And so you might have seen one of these. You make a trade with a stock trading platform, or maybe you deposit funds. Maybe you're an e-commerce uh, website owner, and you add a product to your online store. And you might see a survey in the bottom right-hand corner of the screen asking about that specific action that you just took to give the team building that product a better understanding of what's working not working about that product. We also have session replay, which records the user screen, again, gives these teams insights into what users are doing with their products, where they're getting stuck, 
where those frustrations might be. And we have prototype testing. So you can take your Figma uh, and envision prototypes, add those links in the sprig, add voice and, and video questions alongside your prototypes and share those with your customers so that you can really hear from your customers about the next big idea that you're working on and make sure that it's a success from day one. And then lastly, we're the leader in artificial intelligence and analyzing uh, feedback data at scale. And so we have several different ways of applying artificial intelligence. We have text analysis. We also have the entire study, all the data holistically analyzed with AI. And it's coming back with specific recommendations to improve that product experience. So it's not only saying what's working and not working, but it's saying, here's what you can do to actually build a better product for your customers and hit your business goals. So when you started this in 2019, what did it start as? Like, you know, you just, you just mentioned like four different products. What, what did it start at? What was the original idea? The original idea was the first product and the last product. And so it was a very small team of us, myself, our head of AI, uh, who's, you know, uh, Kevin, who's still with us today, and then also a full stack engineer. And I equally was focused with the team on large scale collection of feedback data, but also analysis of that data as well. And so we've been in the field of AI since day one. Uh, and felt it was really important to solve both parts of what these teams were looking for, the collection and the analysis. So those in-product surveys and that AI analysis we've always had. Because you, So, I mean, the goal was you've got to go get a lot of surveys, right? Like three, you, like four of them a month is not going to do it, right? You've got to get a lot of surveys, right? And then use AI to do sentiment analysis and different different things. That That was the original idea. With the models in 2019, you know, when the company was founded, it did require large amounts of data to have more meaningful insights and analysis. What's really interesting about the latest large language models is that they can actually derive insights and recommendations for small sample sizes of data. And so okay. even 20, 50 responses to a survey it can come back with really interesting themes and summarization and specific recommendations because the training data is so large, it can actually extrapolate and help you understand what to do, even if it's a smaller data set. So when you so when you guys first started this, was there a certain use case that you were targeting? Was it, you know, e-commerce or Fortune 500 or something like that? Like, was there an original target? My background had been joining four companies pre-product market fit and really helping them get their first customers, uh, really I joined pre-launch. And so often in some cases there was no product when I joined. And then the fifth startup that I joined is Weebly. I joined as the first product manager and helped scale Weebly to around 400 employees and 50 million accounts. And when I was at Weebly, that's where I really saw the challenges uh, for post-product market fit companies that are quickly growing and adding you know, their user bases is that you can no longer email your users one-on-one. -on -one. You can't jump on 10 or 15 calls to really understand. And they don't working. respond. They and don't they respond anyway. They, they don't, don't respond. respond. Yeah, your email is going to be go to the spam or they're going to see it and not respond because the data is not contextual. And yeah. so when I, you know, when I was at Weebly, we had this amazing behavioral data. We knew exactly what our users were doing. We had amazing revenue data. We knew exactly how much everyone was paying us and all of the trends and insights. 
but there is a big gap on the experience data and understanding our growing user base that was going from, you know, hundreds of thousands to tens of millions of users and deeply understanding the sentiment data and the experience data and really understanding the thoughts, feelings, and emotions of where we stood with our user base and how we can move our product forward. And so Sprig is really focused on companies that are post-product market fit and quickly growing and already at scale. And so you'll see on our website, we work with some of the fastest growing uh, you know, tech companies, including PayPal, Peloton, Notion, Robinhood, Coinbase, Square, uh, you know, just to name a few, and really helping them understand as they're growing what their users think of their products, but more importantly, how they can improve their products and build a better experience. So I was curious if you had an example of how one of those companies used your product. You're like, you know, Coinbase wanted to release this new trading thing and they did this type of survey. I was just going to, you have a great use case of that? So I'll quickly touch on two. And one was with Square and they wanted to improve their e-commerce onboarding conversion. And this is a really classic question that I think a lot of teams have is that, Onboarding flows often have between a 50 to 90, you know, 99% drop-off. It's usually the highest point of drop-off for a customer journey. And the Square team was looking for insights to understand why people were dropping off when they're creating an online store at for the Square e-commerce product. And onboarding to an online e-commerce platform, it's very difficult. You have all your products, you have your payment collection, and the team ran a in-product survey with Sprig at the end of the onboarding flow, which they defined as adding two products to the online store and connecting a payment gateway. And they're able to get over a hundred insights, so themes from the AI. So over a hundred themes that told them specifically what those challenges were for people in their onboarding process. And they also looked at the behavioral data and said, let's actually look at the ones who went on to not come back after they onboarded, the ones who didn't ultimately end up using our online platform. And they looked at their feedback data specifically, and they're able to resolve two of the key themes. Uh, One of them was there wasn't enough payment providers for what people were looking for. And by resolving the specific themes that emerged from the feedback data generated by AI, but more importantly, segmenting it by the people that ultimately did not end up using their product. They saw the specific insights and they saw a significant increase in people adopting and ultimately onboarding with the Square Online product. The other one is Coinbase, and we have a a case study with Coinbase. We've been working with them for a few years now. And the case study really focuses on how um, Coinbase every year, you know, crypto taxes is very complex. You know, it's very scary. There's a lot of regulation. The government's really leaning in and people don't really know the government's next move. And so no one wants to be audited by the IRS because you didn't file your crypto taxes correctly. And for Coinbase, they had a very specific segment of power users. And the, the more the retail crypto trader, they only use Coinbase. They're not going to be using multiple platforms. That's me. That's you. That's me. I use Coinbase. I don't use anything else. The power users, though, they want a wider variety of cryptocurrencies to trade. 
And so they use Coinbase, but they also use other platforms as well. And Coinbase found out that the power traders specifically uh, didn't really have great insights and their tax center wasn't really serving power users who are conducting cryptocurrency trading on multiple platforms. And so they yeah. really dug in, they ran an in-product survey uh, with Sprig and asked those specific group of users, the power users that are trading large volumes frequently and asked them, do you also trade on their platforms? They said, yes. And what can we do to improve our tax center for people like you who trade on multiple platforms? And they got some, I can't share the themes, but got some very specific insights of what was missing about how these power traders could look at the tax documentation that they needed uh, from Coinbase, but also from other platforms, and then successfully, but more importantly, confidently file their taxes. And that really opened up the confidence for these traders to continue using Coinbase in their repository of trading platforms. And so when it asked them that question, if they say yes, it takes them down like a different survey, like kind of workflow. And if they say no, maybe you just don't do anything. Like, so your guys' software lets them set up that kind of workflow of, of how the survey is going to work. Exactly. We do have an event-based architecture. And so in both of those cases, they were sending the surveys based on specific user actions as well as specific user attributes. So people that have made more than X number of trades, people that have maybe have a certain plan type or plan account, maybe Coinbase Pro. Uh, but then also in the survey itself, we do have skip logic. And so based on the user, even open text response, you can look for keywords in nice. an open text response and then send users down specific paths based on even those keywords. So in that case, it was a very, um, I won't say complex, but it was a very dynamic survey based on the user responses along the way. So you mentioned before that you do session replay and like in your square example, you know, potentially you're collecting other analytics about how they use the product. So I was just curious, how, how does that part of it work? Do you, do you only do session replay or do you also capture like analytics, like all sorts of product like analytics as well? We do have that event system, but we don't serve analytics data for our customers. We have okay. some really great partners like Mixpanel, Amplitude, uh, who do offer robust analytics. And so we have a direct and in native integration with both of them that okay. allows these teams that are using Mixpanel and Amplitude to send their Sprig survey data and replay uh, data over to Mixpanel and Amplitude to really look at the behavioral data as well as the experience data in a single place. Well, and so when they go to, how do they implement your product? So they... I'm going to guess they probably don't feed to you all the Coinbase users and you guys make those rules. Like they make the rules on their end and then they decide when they want to show the survey all on their end or how do, how do they do that? We have a, a SDK. So it's about 10 lines of code. It's a tag and you copy the tag, you paste the tag in your product you know, globally. So usually in the footer or someplace it's available on all the pages. And then from there, we have a no code event system. And so you can punch in a URL right in the Sprig dashboard. You can even use a CSS selector, which is a technical way of saying a specific button on a page or maybe a link or an icon on a page. And right from the Sprig dashboard, you can choose what elements on the page you want 
uh, or maybe even just viewing that page. And so in the case of the tax center for Coinbase, it was people viewing that tax center page after five seconds, but only displaying it to those power users who met the criteria. Um, and so the, uh, with the no code event system, they can easily choose when that survey appears uh, with no engineering effort. So I'm curious, you when you guys started this with the idea of, of doing the surveys, something that's been wildly successful for you guys, um, was there anything that didn't kind of go the way that you thought? Like, did you have to make major changes to the software or kind of pivot along the way or change the idea at all? Or was it all been kind of very straightforward from where you originally started? Because I built some homegrown versions of this, uh, particularly at Weebly, but also in past companies as well, I had a really good insight of the problem that we are facing and just some of the very basic rudimentary versions of what needed to be built. And approaching the first version, we only built the things that we couldn't do manually. And so the SDK, the, the code that's added to our customer's product was really the first piece of the lines of code that we wrote and what questions to display, the configuration of the survey, the configuration of the skip logic, even the AI analysis, we did all of that manually right from spreadsheets in the database. Yeah. And because we worked in a very consultative manner with our customers, we sent over decks with analysis that we were doing manually. You know, we were doing the work of AI uh, as if it was AI, but it was really us in, in the early days, we were configuring all the surveys. We were writing all the questions on behalf of our customers. And so it, was more, it almost might've seen more of like a service offering than maybe a product offering in the early days. But what yeah. that helped us do is it helped us validate everything that we needed to build because myself and our head of AI, we were doing the AI, we were doing the analysis. And when we knew what format worked best for our customers, that became our specification for how we should build that AI analysis and scale that to, you know, the thousands of customers that we have today. It started out with Ryan AI. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. There was no artificial intelligence. <laughs> well, how has AI changed from the beginning here? Um, like, you know, when chat GPT come out, did you guys kind of end up like rewriting a lot of the stuff? Like how, how I'm curious how the AI of this was, when you first started compared to us now, how has that changed? The barriers of entry for using AI have diminished dramatically. And when we first started using AI, we had to build all of our own tooling uh, for people to review all the data and help tune and train the model. And yeah. so we had a human loop process where every single response that was analyzed by our machine learning models was reviewed by an expert user researcher. And that was because of the skepticism about machine learning and AI in the industry at the time, no one really believed it could do the job. And in many cases, it wasn't fully able to, in a fully automated way, do the text analysis. And so we, you know, AI was doing about 70, 80% of the work, but we did have around 20 to 30% of the more difficult uh, text analysis was conducted okay. by a team of researchers. We also had to, you know, download open source models. We had to tune open source models. We had our own training data that we are training the model with. Uh, we had a team of AI researchers, you know, internally, uh, three of them here at Sprig. 
And as we switched over to OpenAI's models earlier this year, as well as a combination of some other models, you know, based on the task at hand, uh, we've been able to move away from a lot of the complexity of deploying AI. And it's allowed us to have more accurate themes, you know, more robust descriptions of every theme. Also, it's real time. We had a customer collect 100,000 responses in an hour. And Holy AI, moly. AI analyzed all that in wow. real time. And it was incredible accuracy of the themes, the descriptions of the themes. All the responses were perfectly grouped and labeled. And so it's been really exciting just to see the data set that we're collecting. But now we're applying AI in a way that we had always, we're trying new ideas that we had had now for years that we hadn't been able to do with these more basic open source machine learning models that were only very good at very specific tasks if they had huge amounts of training data about how to perform that specific task. Yeah. And so it's, it's exciting just to see the step function change that we've had uh, even in just the past 12 months. Yeah, dramatic, dramatic change. Well, Ryan, I'm sure you want to know what fellow founders say about Gusto. They say now they think of payroll as a 30-second job, that the website is friendly and a joy to use, and that Gusto has the best support team. Whenever something comes up, you can reach out, and literally less than 24 hours later, it's handled. Smart technology and friendly humans. It's really cool. Right now, our listeners at Startup Hustle can get three months free when they go to gusto.com slash startup hustle. Again, that's gusto.com slash startup hustle, or you can click the link in the show notes. So Ryan, one thing I'm curious about is how is being, how do you feel like being in San Francisco is, has helped you? Um, you know, a lot, you know, myself, I'm in Kansas city. I've, I've honestly like never wanted to be in San Francisco because of the high cost of living there and the high cost of hiring people and all the things and trying to fight for talent. I'm, I'm curious, like you guys clearly have some big name customers. Do you think you, I'm curious if you attribute a lot of that to the fact that you're in San Francisco or the connections and, and network that you have because you're there I'm just, I'm just kind of curious. For us, it's certainly been a good fit. Most of our team is in San Francisco. We do have office in New York as well. And because we focus on companies that are quickly growing and already at scale, you know, we do see it important to often be able to really meet these customers in, per in person and these prospects in person. And, you know, in the early days of the company, I was, you know, walking over to the square office and presenting every time we had a new slide deck to share about the analysis that we had collected right within their onboarding flow and sharing that data and shaking the team's hand and letting them know about the progress they're making and giving the feedback on the product. You know, Robinhood was also uh, a customer that we you know, started to work with um, in the earlier days and going to their Menlo Park office at the time and meeting with their leadership team and sharing about our vision for Sprig and the experience data that we wanted to collect for them to help them hit their business goals. Um, because we're working with, uh, you know, larger companies, that sales process and really that relationship building can go a long way. And so we do really stress and strive to meet with as many of our customers in person as possible. And so really breaking down those travel barriers uh, certainly goes yeah. a long way for us knowing, and you'll see on our homepage, many of the companies that we work with are here in San Francisco and we have spent considerable time with them in person. Well, I'm curious in the, in the very beginnings though, was it your, 
network that help you get in the door at Square or Robinhood? Or is it more, you know, they're more open to just working with other local startups? I'm just, just kind of curious on that part of it. Square, it, it was an intro through some people that I knew. Uh, but some of these other companies we worked with, they were through investor intros. Uh, they were also local, but through through some investor intros. And I can't say that location was a driving factor in their decisions, um, but I'm sure it certainly helped to build that trust and build that relationship with some of these early customers who you know, really saw the vision that we had and how we could help you know, move their products forward with experience data. Um, but it was a bet that they took on us, you know, and, you know, we were early at the time and, you know, they, we built enough trust where they were willing to work with us at that stage and certainly thankful and appreciative, you know, of them taking that bet. Um, and so, but I, I don't know if, how much of a factor this, the location was. It's something that I haven't asked specifically. I was just curious. So in, and you guys started this in 2019. So at that time, was there what what were the alternatives on the market? You know, for somebody like Square, Robinhood, if they didn't use your product, were there not a lot of alternatives out there to do this? Or people were just used to like having to build their own thing? So at the time, it was typically the email survey vendors that you and I know. So SurveyMonkey, Typeform, Qualtrics, and larger companies might be using Qualtrics. Uh, smaller companies might be using SurveyMonkey. And SurveyMonkey was started over 20 years ago, nearly 25 years yeah. ago. And Qualtrics was founded nearly 25 years ago as well. And they are really at the core email survey platforms. And when you look at technology companies, you know, uh, and you want to get in-context data about a, a flow, an onboarding flow, a cancellation flow, the email survey won't give you the granular specific insights that you're looking for about your product experience. And so Sprig is very much approaching uh, this with first principles and looking at what would it look like if a company was started that is focused on collecting, uh, you know, this feed this survey data, but for these larger, quickly growing, sophisticated technology companies, with an iOS, an Android app, a web product, some of our customers don't even have their email address. You know, many of them tell us that we can only use in product surveys because we don't even have a way to contact them. Um, and so really approaching it from first principles and saying that email surveys are great for companies with an offline presence. You go to a car dealer, you know, maybe you go to a store, you go to a bank, you travel on a flight somewhere, that's what email surveys are great for. But for a tech company, it's not the right way to collect data. And Sprig is really that offering for these tech companies to deeply understand the specific moments in their products and understand what's working and not working. So at, um, so today, do you guys still cater mostly to larger, more established companies? Or you guys also have an offering for like smaller companies and startups? We primarily focus on the quickly growing and, and at scale. So usually like series A and onward, we do have a very generous free plan though. And we okay. love to build relationships with companies really early. And so our generous free plan allows you know, pre-seed, seed startups. Uh, you know, when Sprig was just getting started, it would have been great for us, you know, yeah. uh, it to 
uh, get, get that code added to our product to get those surveys running. We have some really great templates like product market fit that we have a lot of early stage startups running product market fit surveys in their products, measuring do they have product market fit, looking at their data every week. And we offer for smaller startups uh, completely free, the, the platform completely free of charge. So do you, do you guys do email as, uh, at all either, or it's only in-app surveys? For the first one to two years, we actually did offer email surveys. And it was something okay. that we felt was important to be really an omni-channel survey provider with web, native iOS, native Android, and email. But as we've grown, we found that people uh, primarily just use their end product survey offering and really came to us for that specific need. And so we deprecated our email survey platform about a year and a half ago. Well, I guess what I'm thinking in my head is one of the best use cases for a soft for a product like this is, you know, somebody signs up for a trial, you want them to immediately sign up and go use the product and, and get them to that sort of aha moment as fast as possible, right? So they see value in the product and are like, I would use this thing, I would pay for it. And you know, to, to exactly what you guys do is trying to capture, do, did they get to that moment? Did they not get to that moment? Why did they not get to that moment? But I guess my thought was that sometimes it's hard to know, like, why they stopped. And, <laughs> you know, you guys would have to, you, they have to figure out when they use your product of like when to ask the survey. But I guess sometimes I'd be like, well, they didn't get to this step. And I don't know why, like, do I almost still need to email them because they didn't get to that step or whatever? How do you... How do you recommend somebody do that? Yeah, we found with the email, uh, the email policies today, it is becoming incredibly sophisticated around domain warming, making sure you're not oh, sending yeah. too many emails per day. Oh yeah. And I, the IP addresses, dedicated IP addresses. It sounds like you're familiar with some oh, headaches yeah. with email. And for us, it was really about ensuring a high deliverability for our customers. And because they often have a sophisticated email platform in place that um, has a warmed up domain name, it's isolated from their core domain name. Uh, it's maybe doing some throttling of how many to send every day. It has their dedicated IP address, You know, if that's what they're looking for. We do offer a shareable link option and so many of our customers that do send those email surveys, uh, with the, we encourage them to use their existing email platform. So here Got at Sprig, it. we use HubSpot. We do have some emails for people that don't come back uh, if they don't successfully onboard. And it says, hey, you, know, you didn't come back. Uh, but here's a link to let us know more about your experience. Okay. And so that is when we do recommend the email surveys. And we did really hand that responsibility of delivering the email over to sure. some of our partners. Uh, but we've made it really easy to embed the survey right into that email, you know, even some of the question options or just a link to take that survey. And they can get all the text analysis still with Sprig, as well as that way to collect that data once the user selects that link. So if, if I'm an entrepreneur listening to this, I'm like, hey, I've got my my MVP I built, I'm trying to get to market, I'm trying to figure out product market fit, I'm trying to figure out all these things. What kind of tips do you have about how they could use a product like yours to help figure that out? Yeah. And this is where we have that really generous free plan. And the first one 
is we have our prototype testing. And so you can take your Figma prototype, you can add it to Sprig, you can add those video and voice questions, you can send that out to the hundreds of users that you have and really help co-create with them. You know, with startups that have limited resources, you want to be getting user input as much as possible. And so 100% recommend that you're doing at least five customer calls a week. And really every day, ideally of the week, you're spending at least 30 minutes with your customer and you're working through different customers with different challenges or maybe customers that are very successful at the platform and deeply understanding who specifically you're serving and continue to hone in on who, what the product market fit is. And when I speak about market, it's the specific role, the specific title, the specific company size, the specific company industry. When I talk about product, it's specifically what features are incredibly valuable that this specific user group cannot live without. And not only prototype testing, sharing what you're working on, but also meet with those customers and asking those hard-hitting questions. How much would you pay for this? If this product no longer existed, you know, would you be very disappointed, somewhat disappointed, not disappointed? Um, are you willing to join a design program? And for the next 10 weeks, every other week, meet with us to share about these products. And with Sprig in the early days, I was always looking for those signals. Were they willing to commit more time to help share more feedback? If I, And it's with people who I don't know. That's the key part. Your friends, your family, they always jump on the call. But in the early days, people that you don't know. Um, and then where Sprig comes in is giving you that systematic way to collect that experience data. And so for new startups, we have the product market fit template. We also have the onboarding template. Um, and we, I recommend wiring up both of those. So after someone onboards you know, in the product, asking about their onboarding experience. And then after four weeks, running that in uh, product market fit survey. And then looking at both of those, understand how we can drive more people to onboard, how I can increase product market fit. And then the signals around that Sprig data is going to be those customer calls, you know, ideally one a week. Also, the people's willingness to pay for the product, assuming it's a you know, SaaS offering. And then also, are they willing to spend more time with you uh, to help move your product offering forward and really triangulate on those data points to see what's working and not working and whether your product market fit. So the, the prototype testing sounds really cool. Is that something that's hard to do? Is it, is it mostly sort of uploading a lot of screenshots and, or, you know, or Figma files, and then they have to sort of like, like once somebody clicks this thing, it then goes to this page or like kind of, how does that work exactly? It's quite simple. And for us, you know, most of our customers will take no more than five minutes. Okay. And so maybe their prototype is 10 different screens. And what they can do is choose the different screen. They choose the link to each specific screen where you want a question to go. And so maybe you have a 10 screen prototype and there's two flows. Maybe it's add a product and then connect a payment provider um, in your 10 screens. And you can add a screener, let's say, at the beginning of the prototype to make sure you're sharing your prototype with just the users that 
you're looking to get feedback from. And then once the people that meet the screener, you have your two flows, you might ask them to complete a task of adding a product for the online store. And that's the first flow. And that question type would actually be a task. And so it would have some instructions, add a product uh, in this prototype, and it will ask for the user's video and voice. And so once they enable that right in the browser, the instructions will often encourage people to talk aloud as they're adding their first product. And so what you get in this Brig dashboard is that you get uh, a video of someone's face, you get their voice of them talking about what's how they're navigating through the flow, but you also get their screen recorded. And so you might get a one or two minute clip of that person navigating through those four or five screens in that prototype. And once they get to that last step, they'll click task completed or I give up. Maybe if they can't figure out how to add, successfully add that product and it goes on to the next prompt and it might move forward to a different screen or maybe you're still on that screen that they were left on. And from that new screen, you can then have another task of now connect a payment provider. Maybe they can't find that link. They're talking aloud. They're saying, hey, I can't see the option to add a new payment provider. And you know they look around, they click around the prototype and they don't see how to add that payment provider. And they'll say, I give up. And so in that case, what you're getting, you're getting maybe a two minute video of someone successfully adding a product and sharing about maybe some struggles along the way. But the second video you're getting is you're seeing why they can't find that link, why they can't find that option to connect that payment provider. And by when you have, you know, five or 10 of these videos, you start to see the patterns of can people successfully add those products? Can people, you know, connect that payment provider? Maybe just one person couldn't find the payment provider. Maybe the other nine could. And then that's data that you can then take action or not take action on. But it really gives you that confidence before your engineering team starts to develop and write the code. It gives you that confidence on the usability, the functionality, the feasibility of what you're building and ensuring that you really hit the mark from day one. You know, being able to watch somebody else use your product or do this sort of prototype testing where, you know, the product isn't fully built, but you're able to do it, you know, in a kind of pseudo, a pseudo way is so valuable, right? Like as a software developer, it's so hard to understand how people use things, how they get confused and, and all that kind of stuff. Like the value of this is so immeasurable um, to a product team or, or a software development team that's trying to figure out how people are using the product. So there doesn't surprise me that you guys have been so successful at this. It's, it's so valuable. And the one thing that I think is always a surprise for people and some objections we get is, you know, do your users really want to complete a one or two question survey or do they want to provide feedback on a prototype? And the thing that we often see with the people that are Spread customers is that their users are more loyal when they see people asking for that, a contextual and product survey in the moment. And I'm not sure if you've had any negative experiences lately that you recall, you know, maybe it was, uh, you know, a delayed flight, or maybe you had a drink on a flight and it wasn't that great, or maybe you use a digital product and the digital product, uh, you know, you had trouble canceling for that product. Mm -hmm. And if they didn't ask, 
about how that experience was, you know, even if you fill it out or not, it shows that they care, they're interested, they're listening. But if you have that negative experience or even positive experience and they don't ask, it might show that they don't care what you think. And maybe they don't really value your business or they don't care about, you know, how that worked for you and whether that met your needs. And so I think that's the piece that, you know, we can't boil the ocean, but if we could get every company to care about what their customers thought, uh, I think just we can have so many better products and services in the world. And that's really our our vision and, and mission here at Sprig. Well, and I've, I've definitely multiple times used some kind of product and I love the product. I love everything that they're doing, but it drives me crazy that there's like this one bug or this like one thing it doesn't, doesn't do. And I've, I like go out of my way to reach out to them and be like, I'm a raving fan of you. You have got to fix this thing. <laughs> like I am a huge fan. I will pay for this product for eternity, but you've got to fix this thing. And, um, but there's a very few people like me, they'll probably go out of my way to give that feedback. Right. And the, the, the better that they can do that in app, I think is really mm-hmm. valuable. So I really, I really love the idea of this. It's awesome. Yeah. Catching people in the moment, meeting them where they're at. Yeah, absolutely. Well, once again, today's episode of startup hustle was sponsored by Gusto. If you were looking for an all-in-one HR platform, it's time to check out Gusto. You have everything you need in just a few clicks of a button. You get three months free when you go to gusto.com slash startup hustle. Again, that's gusto.com slash startup hustle, or you can find the link in the show notes. Go switch to Gusto so your small company can offer big time benefits without the HR department and HR nightmares. So I don't know about you, but HR is a nightmare. So I love anything that will make it easier. Um well, thank you so much for being on the show today. This has been so awesome. Again, this is Ryan Glasgow with Sprig at Sprig.com. Um, there is a free option, and I saw even the paid option is not very expensive. Um, you know, the, the starter paid option is not very expensive either. Seems like an extremely valuable tool that almost any development team could, could take a lot of value out of this. So um, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thanks, Matt. It was great to talk about how any company out there can improve their product experience. And you can find us at sprig.com. You can check out, yeah, we have a free plan for anyone to get started. We also have that starter plan uh, for $200 a month and then our enterprise plan. And for anyone interested, anyone post-product market fit, you know, really experiencing that growth or already at scale, uh, sprig.com slash get started. We do have 10% off for anyone and we can we love to meet with companies, hear about the challenges they're facing, the questions they have for their users. And like I mentioned, that consultative format that still exists for how we work with companies today. And they bring a tough business question or a tough product question. We use, we get the customer feedback to answer that question and provide those insights and send them along their way. And that often results in them onboarding and using Sprig uh, for the next several years. And so we'd love to be with any company out there and, and help them get situated and onboarded. Well, awesome. Thank you. And thank you so much for being on the show today. All right. Thanks, Matt. Thank you. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button. Then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.
like with the world.